0: Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. Uh, As as Olivia mentioned, uh, we'll be wrapping up our fully online liturgy over the next few weeks uh, before we take a pause and then begin testing our hybrid in-person format. And, you know, during this past year being online, uh, we've been so grateful uh, to all of our friends that we've been able to hear that live outside of Austin, uh, which allows us to continue to have diverse voices in our homilies. Uh, And this past year, we've had the privilege to hear from Jane Patterson, uh, who is in San Antonio and has been teaching at the Seminary of the Southwest. Um, And we're so delighted that she's joining us again here, and she'll be opening the scriptures with us this morning. Uh, So welcome, Jane. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. I'm really uh, delighted to be here and looking forward to when we can all see each other in three dimensions. So uh, this morning... uh, we have this beautiful story from the Gospel of Mark that connects with some other work I do besides my teaching. So uh, what I do when I'm not teaching is that I manage grants and education around the experience of calling for 13 congregations of a variety of denominations all over the U.S., from Brooklyn, New York to Spokane, Washington. So, uh, because of that work, because I, I'm really listening for calling all the time, I tend to hear the Bible through a lens of calling or vocation, how people sense that God is calling us to an activity or to a response to something <clears throat> excuse me that's happening in our world. So uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark this summer. And uh, Mark kind of stretches our sense of Jesus as very completely, fully human. And in Mark, Jesus is portrayed as a person with a calling. And uh, you can hear in the stories that he actually has to figure out his calling, just like all of us from his baptism and on every encounter that he has helps him unpack more thoroughly what it is that God is calling him to all the way toward the cross. And it's through these encounters with other people that Jesus really comes to understand, I think, better and better who he is uh, as a means for the power of God. But something that I've learned about calling uh, by paying a lot of attention to it, is that it isn't so much that one person is called to do something for someone else or for some group of people. But that calling happens among people. Calling is something that God is doing among us in relationship. So this morning, we have this woman who just touches the edge of Jesus's cloak. She's hemorrhaging. She's losing her lifeblood. But she is one of the people who help Jesus see more clearly how the power of God is moving through him. And so it's kind of between Jesus and the woman that a really miraculous healing happens. I think that this story can teach us something about what calling means as we try to live into being part of the body of Christ in our own time. We're told that this woman has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. So she has been losing her lifeblood every day for a very long time. She has sought help from physicians, but no matter what they did, she only grew worse. We are told this little bit of her backstory, but Jesus actually has never met her before, and he doesn't even hear that uh, before seeing her. We don't know how her illness has affected her relationships or her ability to support herself financially, but clearly she has been suffering terribly. Her life force is just literally draining from her daily. Turning to Jesus is a last desperate measure. Their encounter takes place amid a huge crowd of people on the shore of the Galilee. The people are pushing and shoving to get to Jesus. So the woman manages to come up and just touch the hem of his cloak. And impossibly, Jesus notices that touch. He feels it all the way through him, like an electric surge. He stops completely, and he wants to know who touched him. And that, that's the moment of calling. Conventionally, we use the term calling as though sensing a pull from God would always come, like kind of a clear, audible command. But this story is more like what happens in most of our lives. It's more like a feeling in your gut. Jesus has a feeling of power moving through his body. So Jesus stops completely, even though he and his companions had been hurrying off on another really urgent mission. He looks all around to find the woman until she comes forward. And then we're told that she tells him the whole truth. She tells him the story of her last 12 years of suffering, and he listens. Her story unfolds between them. And when she is finished telling it, Jesus says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed of your disease. There are two really important points in this final statement that Jesus makes. By calling the woman daughter, he claims a really significant relationship with her, and he also credits her with provoking the healing that has taken place. He says, your faith has saved you. And my Bible says, your faith has made you well. But the Greek is more complex than that. Uh, The verb is save, but it can also mean your faith has preserved you, or your faith has maintained you. Go and be healed. I want to just underscore that the healing happens in the encounter between Jesus and the woman. Between them, the power of God is on the move, healing the woman and giving Jesus a deeper sense of his purpose in the world. His purpose includes to be touched, to stop and listen to recognize the strength of others and pronounce what God is doing to heal the most vulnerable. Those four things, to be touched, number two, to stop and listen, number three, to recognize the strength of others, and four, to pronounce what God is doing to heal the most vulnerable. So now I want to use this story of Jesus and the woman as a way of thinking about how a calling might happen in our own time. So one of the churches I work with is Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Minneapolis. It's located in a neighborhood of people who have known pain and suffering for many, many years. The neighborhood is composed largely of African Americans and newer immigrants from all over the globe. There are many immigrant owned businesses in their neighborhood. And this congregation's idea for their calling project in 2020, so last year, it was going to be interviews with the owners of those businesses about their sense of their callings. Of course, the pan- first of all, the pandemic stopped it, and then we'll see what else uh, happened. So uh, Holy Trinity has a long history of care for their neighborhood. They own two buildings with low-income housing, and they engage a slew of other really significant ministries, but I wanna talk about what happened just a little over a year ago. They're located about two blocks from where George Floyd was murdered. So it was their neighborhood that became the center of the uprising. When the neighborhood went up in flames, they were the place that people went for first aid, for water, for milk to wash the tear gas out of their eyes. Over the months that followed, when the grocery stores and restaurants were gone, they were obliterated, Holy Trinity became the only place in the neighborhood where people could easily get diapers, basic supplies, food. Like Jesus moving quickly through the crowd, the people of Holy Trinity were touched by a situation they were not expecting. But when they were touched, they knew immediately that they were called to respond to their neighbors with everything they had. So I am going to tell the story with images. And while I do so, I want you to remember those points from the gospel today. The power of God moves into the world world when we are willing to be touched, to stop and listen, to recognize the strength of others and to say aloud what God is doing to heal the most vulnerable. So let's have this first image, thank you. Uh, This is uh, Cup Foods, this is actually a year later, it's closer to the time now. Um, It's a place that has touched so many of us that we've seen um, in pictures and then maintained I think in our hearts and in our mind's eye. And like the woman with the hemorrhage, there is a long story of suffering in the African American community in Minneapolis that lies behind the spark that set off the uprising. And indeed, like the suffering all over the US really uh, became visible and tangible in uh, the event of the murder of George Floyd. And so let's have the next slide. So here we see the church surrounded by the fires and a view into the 1st aid area at night. You see the fire at night and then the smoke uh, by day. The next slide, please. This is uh, Minnehaha Liquors, but this shows you the devastation of the whole neighborhood. Uh, it was just um, burned down to the skeleton of the buildings. So let's look at the next slide. This is where I think you can see uh, Holy Trinity. This is their lawn. Stopping, paying attention, listening to what is needed. These are building materials for rebuilding the neighborhood so they became a gathering site for those materials. Let's see the next slide. So here's a food station. For three months, this is what their lawn looked like. So you see, uh, food, you can see uh, water, again, uh, supplies for cleaning out local businesses, brooms and things like that. Uh, Let's see the next one. Uh, All through the summer, they were like uh, the store for the neighborhood without any prices. Let's see the next picture. They started getting help from the wider community. You can see now they've got actual shopping bags. This went on, you know, month after month. And let's see one more of this. Here it is going. You can see uh, community members helping them. Let's look at the next slide. I love this one because you can see on the man's name tag. He also has listed that he speaks Spanish. So I think this is, uh, you can see there's like this sense of uh, relationship really deepening among people in the neighborhood. Let's see the next one. So this is a really important symbol. So there, it was a, um, a an, an outreach effort, a nonprofit located behind Holy Trinity across the alley from them called McGeezy. And McGeezy is uh, devoted to helping Native American youth um, grow up with dignity, grow up with skills, um, have like all the personal capacity for living fully into their adult lives later. And they had just finished this beautiful new building, I think, just a year before, uh, before last May. And uh, a fire that was started in a neighboring building actually came over and burnt their building down to the ground. But uh, one of the leaders at Megisi came over to Holy Trinity, and he was carrying a a still-burning piece of wood from their building. And he said uh, to the uh, pastor at Holy Trinity, I think that you all know how to hold on to fire. I've seen that that light that you have burning near the altar in your church. And I think you know how to keep a fire burning. And we would like to keep this fire burning until we rebuild our building. Could you help us save it? And so they lit a candle and they've been lighting candles from that candle and they have kept this light burning. Different members of the congregation uh, harbor it for a week at a time and they pass it among themselves and they are keeping it burning until McGeezy gets rebuilt. Uh, it's a beautiful image of what relationship means. Let's see the next slide. So these are the earth movers coming in to, uh, to raise our A-Z-E, um, the buildings that were destroyed. And, uh, you know, I look at this, I have this question, is that is that a violent image or is that a hopeful image? Let's look at the next slide. uh, There's actually this slide isn't showing itself in its entirety. Um, It's hard sometimes when I paste these into the keynote to make it all show. So this is the side view of Holy Trinity. They actually have a sign outside that says Longfellow Strong, and Longfellow is the name of their neighborhood. So um, having been kind of at the center of trying to hold their neighborhood together during the uprising, Holy Trinity took a role with other neighborhood leaders to begin to imagine what kind of neighborhood they all wanted to be together going forward. And really, they had a, a calling question. What kind of neighborhood are we called to be for each other now? Let's see the next slide. So community leaders met. Online, you can see them there, and an artist from McGeezy began imagining what might be a symbol of their new life and of their hopefulness about what might come to be through them and so um, she created an interactive art piece. I have an actual picture of a chrysalis here uh, to, to symbolize it, but she 's imagining an interactive piece uh, that l- it 's enormous it stands uh, in a central place in the neighborhood. And people um, build pieces uh, of the actual chrysalis, but then later it will unfold. And you'll see the blood butterfly that was inside of it. And I also just put this picture of a uh, tomato plant from the community garden that Holy Trinity has. Uh, Let's see the next slide. And here's a picture of the community leaders also meeting uh, physically distanced once they could do that. I just wanted you to have a sense for the relationality of what is coming out of the pain of the neighborhood. And then we ha- I have one more slide. So uh, my point with all of this is that when we are touched, by something that's going to become a calling uh, from God. We are both lit up. When Jesus was touched by the woman, a flame of calling and life and healing was lit in both of them. It was mutual. This is how God works in relationship. There isn't one giver and one receiver, but two people or two communities of people who give one another life through their relationship with each other. So I'm going to put some questions before you during the Eucharist. Um, Who has touched you as an individual, maybe in the last year, maybe very recently? Um, And who has touched Vox as a community that that us who has touched us? Because we come fully alive as we respond to these touches, just as Jesus and the woman came more fully alive and more fully aware of God's presence and power through what happened that day on a crowded beach. Thanks be to God.